ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I sat down with Lauren and Allie Treg of Good Bull Outdoors. We get into the people behind the Good Bull lens, what makes them tick outdoors, and sharing the experience together. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Lauren and Allie Treg. Good evening. I appreciate your time. Also known as, well, we'll call it Mr. and Mrs. Good Bull Outdoors. Thank you both for <laughs> sitting down with me and, uh, giving us a little background and some insight to Lauren and Allie. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to do this. Yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome. So we'll just jump right into it. Why don't uh, I'll let you guys choose who's going. Um, give us an intro and some background and tell us about yourselves. Okay. Well, he pointed at me, so I guess that, that means I, I'm, I'm You're on going, first. Ladies first. You spoke first, so you have to go first. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, y'all. I am Allie. Um, I am originally from Texas, right outside of San Antonio. Um, I was born and raised there and went to college at Texas A&M for my undergrad in business marketing and um, decided to finally fulfill a long life dream of being a veterinarian. So, um, ended up going to vet school at Texas A&M as well. Um, I grew up on a quarter horse ranch and we had a whole bunch of deer blinds set up and um, grew up whitetail hunting and uh, watching my brother who is 10 years older than I am, um, you know, shoot his first 12 point made me super excited um, and um, that kind of instilled that, you know, love of hunting and the whole aspect of it. Um, little did I know that I would eventually be moving to Colorado to do my residency. Um, I'm sorry, internship first. Um, I am a board certified uh, criticalist um, for emergency and critical care for veterinary medicine, a small animal. 
and came here to Colorado to do my internship uh, one year and then ended up up in Fort Collins at CSU to do my residency. Uh, fell in love with everything that Colorado has to offer and um, ended up meeting Lauren here. And he totally showed me a completely different side of hunting that um, I was not used to, but became absolutely obsessed with and um, really enjoyed, you know, from the, the get-go, the the whole process seemed so much more fulfilling, even if you didn't end up harvesting um, the memories, the work, um, you know, everything just felt, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every aspect of it was just so organic compared to growing up in a deer blind where, you know, we end up having, you know, hot heaters and um, we get to sit there and watch, you know, 20 to 30. 30 nice bucks go by and just be like, meh, this one, I mean, yeah, he's 12 points, but he's, he's, he's nothing. We'll just wait for the next one and put out our little feeders and wait for the big guy to come in, that kind of thing. So um, the whole Western mentality of hunting just completely opened my eyes to a whole other aspect that I really, really appreciate and have grown to love. And it, it's kind of become, you know, my life as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So where, where in Texas? You said outside. Uh, right of- outside. Right outside of San Antonio, so a small town, uh, New Braunfels. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Hunted Texas when my before California. You got to be twelve years old, blah blah blah. So I take my boy down there. Yep. I think we started at seven until he was able yeah. to get his big game here. So we would go to like Lampasas and then Burnett. Yeah, and there's a couple of properties there that we were hunting for for a few years, and it is a different experience. But you know, when you're taking your kid out there sitting in the blind is not as bad. And then, you know, you get into no. Burnett and you got the hills, you know, hill country, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So New Braunfels is like right at the very edge of the start of the hill country. So um, it, it, was, it was a beautiful place to grow up and a beautiful place to learn, um, you know, some basic dynamics of hunting. And, um, you know, it, it it's always been, you know, a huge camaraderie aspect um, that I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, but you know, it, now it's an even broader spectrum of that, you know, being here in Colorado and hunting all the other Western states that I feel very fortunate to be able to hunt. Yeah. So Lauren, yeah. what about you, man? Oh man, that's, that's uh, really tough to follow. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's see what I can do here. Um, so, uh, Lauren Schrag, uh, you know, my, uh, my father was in the military. Um, I mentioned that to you before we started the recording there, but, uh, we moved around a lot. And so, uh, you know, my experience hunting really, uh, stems from my father who was, uh, you know, one in a, a long series of hunters. Uh, my dad's a gun collector. He's a long time reloader. He, uh, um, you know, I learned to, uh, you know, shoot just about everything under the sun. He went through his phases from, uh, you know, collecting uh, Winchester pre-64 model 70s to, uh, you know, collecting target 22s to, you know, Colt pistols of all various makes and models to, uh, um, you know, to his big bore days. And, and basically throughout all of it, you know, we've, we've learned to reload and hunt. And um, hunting for him was a means of utilizing uh, the weapons that he enjoyed so much. And for me, I developed this passion for uh, for hunting and, and the weapons were just a tool to use, uh, you know, to go out and, uh, you know, eventually moving around. I was, I was born originally in Washington State, but I was only there for about a year. Um, you know, we were stationed in uh, North Dakota a couple of times. Um, we were in Montana uh, more than anywhere else. Uh, we were stationed down in Vandenberg for a short period of time as well. And um, so we've kind of moved all over the West, but uh, I've always kind of had this fascination with elk. Um, we moved to Montana right when I was, uh, you know, getting ready to turn 12 and, um, 
So my first hunting experience was in Montana. I think that's a big part of why I call Montana home. I, you know, I really developed my love of the outdoors, uh, being out in the, the public lands and in Montana, the national forest and the BLM lands and, um, you know, hunted pretty much, uh, everything that there, there is to hunt in Montana, except for those super hard to get tags, like the, the bighorns and the, and the moose and that sort of thing. So lots of, uh, lots of mule deer, lots of whitetail, lots of elk, uh, lots of antelope. And, uh, we, uh, you know, we went ahead and, uh, eventually, uh, moved out of there and, um, ended up down here in Colorado and met my amazing wife, Allie. And, started uh, dragging her into do, doing the uh, the elk hunting as well and getting her into calling and just an amazing experience you know showing her an elk for the first time and um you know getting her this like firsthand personal experience with an animal that i was just absolutely passionate and, and in love with and um you know spent as much time as i could with and, and to get her out there and infected with the same bug that i had was uh, was definitely a bonding experience for us i think awesome yeah. So I definitely, when we talked about it right before, before we hit record here, and I definitely want to get into the people behind Good Bull, um, but because Good Bull is who you're known as, <laughs> let's get Good Bull out of the way, um, talk a little bit about Good Bull, um, and then we'll move right in. You know, I want to get back to you guys um, and really hone in on, you know, your experience outdoors and, and, you know, elk hunting, et cetera. So give us a little bit about Good Bull. And I don't know that anyone listening to this hasn't heard of Good Bull or seen your photos. Um, and now the video. Aspect. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they've, they've seen a lot of that from us and, and want to see more. Um, so, I mean, I've been doing photography, uh, since I was in high school. Um, I started off back in the film days with an old Canon AE-1 and uh, started taking uh, pictures back before the whole digital revolution. Uh, but as, uh, you know, as Ellie and I uh, had been together, um, you know, she recognized that I had a passion for photography and um, she had seen some of the old photos that I had taken and, and she recommended that I uh, invest the money and, and get a really good quality camera, something that I'd never uh, truly invested in before. And, and we started going out and taking pictures and um, she was really the the one who pushed me to say, hey, you know, you, you've got really, you know, great talent here. Why don't you go ahead and, and put these uh, pictures out there for other people to enjoy? And, uh, I was a little bit skeptical, you know, I have never really, um, you know, I've, I've had a few pictures published, uh, um, a couple articles published, but I, I never really felt that I was, you know, a super high quality photographer, anything like that. And, and she gave me the confidence to start that and put it out there. And, um, you know, we started talking about a name and, you know, obviously elk are a passion and we started, you know, throwing names around and she went to Texas A&M, of course. And, um, she's got a great backstory about, you know, what a good bull is. Um, you know, basically anybody who, you know, does, does good for other people is a good bull. Um, they're at Texas A&M and it just fits so well with, with her background and, and with our passion for elk and, and where we wanted to take this. I would have never made that connection, but I've had two or three other Texan, Texas A&M alum. And so that, uh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That's awesome. I, I would have just assumed elk. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we just, there's so many different traditions at Texas A&M that, um, you know, we really, it's like a way of life basically. And, um, we just have, um, you know, we, we also have the other end of the spectrum when 
you know, people aren't being, you know, they're given their Aggie spirits to the full. We, we call them two percenters. And, you know, so there's definitely, you know, the other end of the, the, the spectrum. But, um, yeah, but um, to, you know, all my Ags out there, um, you know, we, we really wanted to incorporate, you know, that saying with, you know, obviously on, on top of everything else, um, you know, elk-wise, just whole encompassing, you know, that name and what, what we live by. Plus, we really like a good double entendre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I would have never made the connection. So one of the things that I noticed that I want to ask you about the 35 millimeter too, because I have, I really like the old film stuff, um, but you guys, there's something about your pictures that the framing and I'm kind of at a loss for it. Maybe the behavior of the animal is captured in, in your photography. Um that really draws you to it. Right. I mean, it's just, it just seems more, more natural maybe as the word I'm looking for than a lot of the stuff you see, it doesn't seem very edited. Um, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about it. Um, it, it yeah, it just seems natural. Um, great. You know, it's just great pictures, right? You, you, you look at one of those pictures and you can almost put yourself in that moment, which is phenomenal, especially when looking at elk. Um, do you still do any 35 millimeter? Cause there's something about 35 millimeter too, that, uh, just that grainy look. That's, that's awesome too. I, I don't, uh, you know, honestly, we have the ability to mimic that effect if we want to, uh, through film. So we can actually take a, a, a color, a color picture, um, through the digital camera and make it look as if it were taken with a 35 millimeter film camera. Um, so considering that we have the ability to, to do all of that, um, with digital, um, it really just makes more sense to continue shooting in digital. Um, but I definitely, I definitely think a lot of the, uh, the framing at least, um, came from, from my days of having to be very precise with, with film because you don't know what you're shooting. You have to get it right the first time. And then you don't find out whether or not you got it until you take the film down and get it developed. Yeah. And also too, I mean, he does a, a really great job at really being able to, um, capture moments. Um, you know, he, he's a phenomenal photographer. Um, and so he, he also has all the aspects, um, the technical aspects down, uh, to a T, but at the same time, I, I think he's kind of mentioned this in the past where, you know, he'll, he'll take a moment or a scenario where other photographers wouldn't even think about doing because the light's not perfect or, or whatnot. But, um, at the same time, the, the elk are doing this really, really great behavior that, right. you know, we feel like we wouldn't be able to catch unless we sat there with them and, you know, got as intimate as, you know, possibly able to, um, you know, with them. So, um, it, it, it really makes for, some really, really, really great um, shots and great moments. And, and I think that's, um, I think that's a really important point about Good Bull Outdoors is that, you know, while I did mention that, you know, we had it started off as this idea of sharing these great photos. Um, the reason for getting on social media was more than that. It was really about um, connecting with people, and we wanted to share not just. Um, it really wasn't about sharing a passion for photography, um, which is great. I mean, there's tons of really fantastic photographers out there. There's, there's folks that we consider much better than us, but I, I think really where we feel like we have a niche is that we have a passion for elk and we have a passion for the wild game that we pursue. And we are able to share 
our passion through our photography, mm-hmm. as opposed to just uh, you know having a passion for you know getting these perfect photos, and all you ever see is you know a thousand perfect photos on somebody's feed. You know, we may say, well, this is not a perfect photo, but this shows such a unique experience with this animal that we think it's worth sharing with people. Yeah. We actually were able to catch a bull breeding uh, in December. And I mean, the lighting was horrible. It was, we were about within 10 minutes of um, last light. And, but we were, you know, the only ones there willing to get the shot and get it on video. And um, it was just really, really cool to see this, you know, bull, you know, trying to breed with this cow and then he ended up doing it very successfully. Yeah. I think Allie, Allie said uh, it the best where you're capturing moments. I couldn't get a word to it. So yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. How has that lent itself to your hunting, right? Because (laughs) you guys are taking pictures all the time. So has, have you seen any improvement in your elk hunting? Just out of curiosity, you know, are you, are you having to stalk in on these animals and, you know, get as close as you can for these shots or using, you know, has that helped the hunting at all? Absolutely. I, I feel like if anything, it's made us be more appreciative and more knowledgeable about the different behaviors that they exhibit throughout the whole year. I mean, we're, we're with them every season of the year, um, you know, multiple, multiple times during those specific seasons, whether they've shed and they're in velvet to, you know, pre-rut, um, you know, full rut, post-rut and at, when the calves, you know, when they're calving and everything. So, um, we, you know, there are times where we actually go out into the meadow, uh, with them, but there's also a lot of times where we can shoot straight from the, the street or the road, especially in Estes area, you know, they're, they're, they're they have a lot of quote unquote pet elk, um, per se, where, you know, they'll, they'll let you get, um, pretty pretty close to them within, you know, legal, legal realm. Um, you know, they're, they're right off the road and doing a lot of, you know, fun things for you that make it really entertaining. So. And we also photograph in some, you know, limited entry units that, you know, are high, you know, takes a lot of preference points in order to draw. And, and then of course, you know, we're also going out and and we're hunting ourselves primarily and public land over the counter units as well. So. Um, yeah, we've we've definitely experienced a lot of things that I think other hunters haven't. Um, just to give you one example. We've we've seen uh, cow elk bugle year year round, mm-hmm. um, every month of the year. Oh wow! We didn't. Even, I mean, before we saw that, we didn't even really think that they did that. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that stands out to me. Right when I see all these folks, I'm like, there's got to be a level of expertise in their hunting game because of all the time spent with them. I mean, that's just. Yeah, that has to be phenomenal to be in a place like Colorado. You have the largest elk herd in the nation in that amount of time with them. I'm surprised you're not uh, getting your doors beat down for more than the uh, photography at this point. (laughs) I mean, it's it's definitely helped us close in a lot um, in in a lot less time than normal. But um, I I guess I can't necessarily say that it's helped us be more successful in harvesting. Um, That that's still we're still learning a lot about Colorado um, and, you know, where exactly we want to be hunting and um, getting, as you said, it it is the largest elk herd in the nation, but you know, they're pretty spread out within um, the whole state. So um, I, I think we'll, we'll probably get a little bit more into that when we're talking about our specific seasons, but um, it's we're we still feel like rookies even even though we've been hunting several years um, within Colorado, it, it's kind of been pretty difficult to actually find 
find them. But, you know, once we find them, I, I feel like the photography has definitely helped us get, you know, a lot closer and, um, you know, be a lot more keen to the behaviors that they're exhibiting and um, get, getting them, you know, closer to us as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I started to get into the point where I was, you know, passing up bulls, you know, calling them in and, and having opportunities. And I was passing up bulls. I, you know, filled a couple of, you know, tags with my bow back to back years. And, you know, the next year after that, I had, you know, a couple of close opportunities with some smaller five points and, and pass up on those opportunities trying to get a herd bull. And um, unfortunately, you know, now that we've moved down here to Colorado, it's kind of like starting over again. You know, all the all the scouting, all the effort that I that I put into it back in my in my college days up in Montana to, uh, uh, to, you know, to find these areas and, and really scout out the herds it just kind of went out the window and it's like starting all over again. It's, you know, I, I really envy these people that have, you know, generational history in areas that, um, you know, they've, they're hunting the same herds that their grandfather's hunted and, uh, and, you know, hopefully grandmother's hunted as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we just, we don't have that. And so we're, while we do have some, you know, advantages on the vocalizations and some localized herds um, oftentimes you know we just don't have the preference points in order to be able to draw in the areas that that we're most familiar with um, we did have an individual that, that reached out to us um, late last year they had a, a january tag and uh, uh, Allie was able to point them in the direction of uh, you know where she expected some bulls had had migrated over to and the individual ended up taking a 350 class bull so yeah we, we definitely have some advantages we just don't have the preference points to take advantage of them. but there has to be I mean at least for me right there's a lot of motivation um, and drive that comes from not knowing or having to struggle a little bit and learn new areas I mean California right I mean I've think I'm at 16 or 17 preference points for elk. Um, and I'm crossing my fingers with that many points. So for me, it's out of state, um, or, or, you know, get lucky in California. And that's one of the reasons I started exploring out of state. So it's usually throw a dart at a map and go, but that just, I mean, for me, at least that increases that drive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So 2018 season, how did that, how did that pan out for you both? Well, the the draw did not uh, did not really help us. Um, we went zero for ten on the draw um, across our whole family, so we ended up, uh, you know, started looking at the, the leftover draw and then eventually some over the counter tags. Um, so we did end up hunting uh, elk uh, archery over the counter. And 2018 was actually the first year that we incorporated trail cams into our uh, into our scouting efforts. Um, but uh, very early, um, late August, we ended up. Uh, getting in on the five by five bull. Uh, we just ended up, we got in a situation where he was in an area that we'd never been in before. And we ended up having to skirt some uh, private land in order to get over to him. And in the process, we ended up in a, a really steep hill and it took longer to get up the hill than, than the amount of time we had left in daylight. And uh, we just ran out of daylight. Otherwise we would have, we would have had a situation where I think we probably would have ended up with a 30 yard shot on that bull, but we just couldn't close the distance in time. And, uh, so we had that super close call. Um, I think the next, we, we left our all of our gear up and we had planned on coming up about three days later and chasing that same bull. And uh, we, we came back up three days later and somebody stole our tent, our cots, oh, no. um, our cooking equipment, um, basically raided our whole camp and just stole everything. Um, and that was, uh, that was September, uh, I'm sorry, that was uh, the last day of August. Yeah. Um, so we just, you know, we felt pretty, defeated at that point 
Um, we ha- always keep our camera equipment with us in the in the car, and we're just kind of like, you know, I just I don't feel like hunting. Let's just you know go. Let's go experience some elk and just get rid of this really negative experience Mojo. that we Mojo. had. And um, we ended up uh, driving about three and a half hours over to Rocky Mountain National Park. Spent the night in our car, you know, kinks mm-hmm. in our neck and uh, yeah, <laughs> freezing our butts off because we you know we didn't have uh, you know our sleeping bags or any of that kind of stuff and. Um, just basically froze our butt off, got up the next day and went out and took a bunch of pictures of, uh, uh, you know, of, of some elk and ended up with this, you know, absolutely amazing experience. Uh, you've probably seen some of the pictures of, uh, you know, the helicopter dropping uh, water on a fire with that oh, yeah. six point bull. Um, that was, that was the day after we found out that all of our stuff had been stolen. So, um, it, it, we went from a very negative experience to a once in a lifetime, uh, photographic experience, which was really cool. Definitely door slam shut window open scenario for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and the positive that you're taking away from that or the positive outlook on that experience after, I mean, that's pretty important, right? Cause I'd have been kicking and screaming and stomping and probably still fuming over it to this day. So the fact that you're able to go and, you know, turn that around, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think we, we just really needed to, you know, be surrounded by some bugle and bulls to kind of get us, you know, our, our sanity and, um, our motivation back. And we, so that's, that's what we went for. And we ended up with that and so much more. And so, yeah, exactly what you said for sure. What a heck of a takeaway. Yeah. yeah. So the, the rest of the elk archery season, um, you know, because of that experience, I think we, we ended up getting drawn, I think a little bit more towards the photography and videography, um, experiences. And, and we actually hunted less, I think this September than we have a lot of other Septembers. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the new video camera as well. So we were getting used to that and, you know, having this as like literally the first thing that we captured with that new video camera, uh, was, was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up uh, having tag soup on that particular elk tag. We did go back and hunt them a few other times, uh, but we just we were never able to to get close enough on a bull to really seal the deal there. We did. Uh, we also had our um, it was our third rifle deer, correct? Yeah, third yeah. rifle season deer yeah. in Colorado. Yep, and um, we so we also we have three kids. Um, they're all now teenagers. They are 13, 15, and 16. Um, our 15-year-old daughter, um, she is the one that is usually more consistent with hunting um, deer each year. So we took her out um, to the place where the same unit that um, we were looking for our buck. And um, fortunately, she was not able to um, fill her tag, but it was a crazy scenario as well because we... It, it was so overpopulated. We felt, um, the, the most we've ever run into there. And, um, it was so much so that we actually ran into a group of people. Three of them were people from our neighborhood, um, you know, four hours away. Um, one of those people from the neighborhood was also a teacher at her school. So it was so weird that we were running into people, you know, in our neighborhood, in our cunning unit. Um, so she, unfortunately she, we were not able to, um, get a buck, you know, down for her, but, um, the following weekend we, um, went back up and Lauren was able to, um, you know, fill his tag in pretty much literally the same meadow he filled his meat buck tag the previous year. So that'll, yeah. So we were able to fill that one out and then, um, we had it 
we had a um, late later season um, antelope tag up in Wyoming. You want to tell them that one? Yeah, so we uh, you know we had planned out this one because it was out of state. We planned it quite a bit in advance, and uh, um, as we were pulling into Gillette, um, we were basically met with a blizzard on the way, um, right at the uh, right at the Wyoming line, and uh, and it was just solid snow and, and dropping temperatures. And uh, we pulled in. We had planned on camping um, in a in a tent. Um, but of course, you know, because our good tent had been stolen, it was just a, a very cheap tent that we planned on, on camping out in. And with the, with the weather and the temperatures, it just wasn't going to hold up. So we ended up holding up in a, in a hotel room and we weren't able to even go out and hunt the first day. Um, then the second day, the, the blizzard kind of abated a little bit. Uh, visibility opened up and um, we started uh, using OnX to go scout some of the public land in this area, which we already knew to be pretty limited. There were only about six areas. Um, that had public land, and we figured it would be a little bit limited on which ones had, uh, which ones had, uh, you know, antelope on them at the time, based on uh, terrain, topography, that sort of thing. So we ended up hunting real hard the, that day, and, and didn't end up seeing any um, on the public land. We basically found them like all the way surrounding public land. Every mm-hmm. every section we'd go and, and check out, there'd be deer on the public land, and there'd be antelope yeah, just off it. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming is is interesting when you start looking at that checkerboard. Um, yeah, it is. It's crazy. It'll make your head spin. You're looking at Onyx or something, and I mean, it it literally looks like a checkerboard between all the the private, and you got you know spots of BLM, and yeah, it's something else. Yeah, I ended up reaching out, so I went on um, just on like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace to see if anyone because um, it, it was like our second to last day there. Um, just seeing if anyone had um, like any private land access within that area. If we weren't able to, you know, get any uh, public land things going for us. And um, I ran into someone who literally was asking that same question the previous weekend. Um, So I I got in touch with him and he was very gracious to let us know the advice that he had gotten. Um, And he kind of led us to where we could go on public areas um and where, where they got where they were able to be successful but oh, wow. um I th- yeah but um, i think because of all the snow that ended up happening they just weren't um frequent it was kind of a um an area that was very close to some hay bells um so because of all the snow they weren't able to get into that hay as well so um but you know that was a really really nice you know gesture wow that, that yeah i would have never thought to yeah. look at uh, either one of those to to figure that out yeah yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. I was like, this, this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, for, for us, at least this season. And I, I wanted to try to get once, once in a season. Yeah, opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once in a lifetime of the season opportunity for us. And, um, you know, we, we didn't know, um, how soon we would be able to, you know, get back up within the time allotted, um, you know, for that tag. So I was trying to make the best of it. And um, I mean, I feel like because of that person's generosity, we, we, we had a lot of more input than we did, you know, going in. So, and we, and we learned so much, you know, not only about the area, but, um, you know, the different herds that were going through there. So I definitely feel regardless of us harvesting or not, we, we came out of it knowing so much more than we did going in. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really beautiful area. We actually did end up um, in one situation where we did have an antelope that um, it was, it was running like a scalded cat, but, uh, <laughs> it was, do. it was on, it was on the public land and it was making a beeline for the, uh, for the private. And I ended up making an ethical decision to 
hold off on on shooting. And it wasn't so much that that I wasn't confident in my ability to take the shot. Um, I actually had a lot of confidence, and I knew that I could have uh, successfully harvested that animal and made a clean shot on him. Um, I have a lot of experience shooting running animals, and especially antelope. Yeah, that's like and his, his, his um, I've. Yeah, I've actually harvested more animals running than I have standing still. Um, I, I've missed standing still animals, and then once they start running, make perfect chest shots. Um, I've had I've had two white tails that I've hit uh, running, and the bullet entry holes are within two inches of each other. Wow! And that's you know running at over two hundred yards. So it's just it, it's something that I happen to have a knack doing. Um, and so I, I felt like I could make that shot, but I was not comfortable with what was behind my target. And, um, while it, you know, while what was behind the target wasn't directly behind it, I just, I mean, it's, it's an antelope. It's, it's not worth, you know, potentially causing harm if, if you don't feel like it's going to be, you know, 100% chance of it being a clean shot. So we went ahead and passed up on that opportunity. Um, something that could have, you know, put some meat on the ground, but we, we didn't feel bad about it. And as a result of that, we ended up, um, you know, seeing a whole bunch more animals just off, uh, just off onto the private land. And, and we actually ran into a situation where we were right on the edge of the, the border and there was public land on both sides of the road. And we found uh, a big herd with, I think, six bucks mm-hmm. on public land, but on the opposite side of the road that we needed them. So they were actually in the adjacent unit. And we ended up just like sitting there and taking pictures of them. Yeah. <laughs> they were on public land yeah. on the, you know, in the wrong unit. All they had to do was like cross the road. and You know, antelope, they're not going to cross the road. Yeah, 40, um, 40 feet away from uh, meat in the freezer. Exactly. Yeah. So we ended up, uh, we ended up eating that tag. We had an interesting experience, uh, you know, with the blizzard and, and the clearing skies, we got to, uh, meet a number of landowners who were kind enough to let us know that we'd better have, uh, you know, something like on X in order to ensure that we weren't crossing onto their property. And, uh, we, we, we showed them that we did and uh, that, uh, you know, that we knew where the boundaries were and we had no intention of crossing onto their uh, land that I'm sure they had people, uh, you know, lease to come out to it. You know, it's a big thing in Wyoming. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we definitely had that experience. Then the, uh, we kind of ended the season. We had a, a cow tag um, as a leftover um, and uh, we, we ended up not being able to, uh, to go out for our planned, uh, you know, cow tag party. Um, it ended up being a situation where we had to put off a, a birthday party for, uh, for one of our kids. And it happened to be that was the only weekend we could do it. So we, we ended up eating that tag as well. So we, we had a pretty rough 2018. Um, hopefully we won't go 0 for 10 on the draw again this year. Yeah. But uh, um, it was still a lot of fun. We had a lot of really interesting experiences, some negative some really positive, uh, you know, I think people reaching out to us and giving us some information after they'd successfully harvested, you know, I, th- I think really counteracts the, the negative experience that we had earlier on. Yeah. And Lawrence, so, um, 2018, it was more, um, Lauren's, you know, Lauren and the kids being able to hunt. Um, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to have, um, been in remission four different times from cancer. Um, and I just recently, um, went into remission again. So I'm really trying to get my draw weight back up, um, to where it should be so I can actually, you know, hunt again and, um, get my, my strength back up. I, I lost a lot of weight during all the treatments and, um, lost a lot of muscle mass. And, um, so I, I've been working, you know, real hard at trying to get back, you know, get back. Yeah. Get back into it. Um, but I've, you know, 
pretty much any any time they go, I, I'm I'm the pack mule for sure, and um, I absolutely enjoy doing that. And um, it's one way to be able to experience it with them, and um, you know, share in, in the joys and, and the frustration and the overall um, learned you know humbled experience, no matter what. So I think I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully being able to grab a um, over the counter elk tag this year. So I'm I'm super excited about doing that. I, I'm hoping to be back up there for sure. So congratulations on the fourth kicking its butt. Yeah. Hopefully thank that's you. The last time we'll, you know, hands crossed, pray for you there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we, we may need it. We've got a, we've got a test result that we're waiting on right now. That's, um, we're a little bit worried about. Yeah. They, they, they found another, another lump and I'm going in for a biopsy. So hopefully it'll, it will just be, you know, something casual, <laughs> nothing stressful about, but I think regardless if it ends up being not great news, it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as huge of a hurdle of, um, the, all the other treatments that I end up going through. This might just be a, a surgical, um, you know, intervention, which would be a, a lot more feasible than the, the chemo and the radiation. So we're, we're definitely have, our fingers crossed for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you guys just slapped me in my face with that. So, um, oh, yeah, well, no, 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 no. I, I don't mean anything. I, I, yeah, that, that, you know, that grabs you at your heart, right? I mean, I don't know you guys from outside of Instagram being hunters and passionate about the outdoors and we're sitting here talking, but that, that grabs me at my heart. Um, we'll definitely be praying for you. We, we wish you all the best with that. Hopefully, you uh, like you said, Thank it's going to be minor minorly invasive yeah. hopefully um yeah. so sorry kind of <laughs> it hit me a little bit yeah I, I tell you what you know Allie is such a tough girl I mean to go through this four times and you know I have I have no doubt that if you know this ends up going negative that you know she's gonna she's gonna take number five and she's gonna kick its butt and you know it's not gonna slow her down the fight part of it grab my heart right there i'm sorry guys um trying to <laughs> so that that kind of brings me into sharing the experience right and it's the outdoor experience as an individual um is huge right it's impactful on our lives the value that we pull away from that is like no other but to have that husband and wife dynamic that partnership um with the kids, you know, through your struggle with the cancer, but then to be able to go outdoors and share that experience together has to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, we've, I'm, I'm not the only one out of the whole family, you know, that's been through their fair share of, um, undeserving, you know, things or their trials and tribulation. Um, we are three kids. Um, we are, extremely fortunate to have them. Um, but they're, they're adopted. Um, they were adopted at age, um, two and a half, um, four and five. Um, and like I said earlier, they're, they're now in their teens. Um, but so, um, you know, they've, it's definitely been a, a different, um, not, not necessarily bad at all, but a different scenario of trying to, get their appreciation and their love of the outdoors. Um, aside from it, just, you know, being passed down from generation to generation, um, you know, they, they, you know, Lauren 
did his best to try to expose them to the outdoors as early as possible. Um, unfortunately, because um, of circumstances, you know, with um, yeah, she's she's looking at me to see if it's okay to yeah. say this. So, yeah. uh, since we're since we're tugging at your heartstrings here, we'll just kind of go into it all. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and you know some of the folks, some of the other photographers that that we've gotten close to know the story as well. So it's, and I think uh, most of it's pretty much public record as well. But uh, uh, so my my ex wife um, uh, is actually uh, I, I ended up having full custody of the three kids. Uh, my ex wife had physically abused the the kids and emotionally abused the kids over a period of several years, and I ended up having to take the kids and, and leave that situation and. Um, Unfortunately, that was, you know, during some of the very formative years, um, you know, I'd always tried to get the kids out with me hunting before they were, you know, even able to hunt. And um, I've tried to give them the opportunity to be out there in the outdoors. And uh, unfortunately, you know, what we went through uh, for a period of several years ended up, uh, I think, kind of interrupting, you know, their uh, their formative years of, of creating a, a serious and deep bond with the outdoors, uh, the, the way that I do and the way that my father is, and my grandfather was. And, um, you know, they, they definitely enjoy it. Um, they, they enjoy it as an experience to be with us, I think, but I don't think, uh, because of what they've gone through and, and when they went through it, that they've really had the ability to create the, the deep bond with the outdoors that, uh, that we've had ingrained in both of us. Yeah. And there, so it's, uh, two girls and, um, our son who's the oldest and, um, I, you know, my, myself coming into this, you know, being extremely passionate about the outdoors, um, you know, as a woman, I, I'm extremely proud of how much the two girls have been able to embrace the outdoors as much as they have, um, considering, you know, the, the past that they have and, you know, they, they, all three of them now call me mom. And, um, I, I feel so just beyond blessed to be their mom and, um, to, you know, learn everything I can from Lauren and his, wisdom and experience and, um, be able to pass down, you know, my own experience of being, you know, in the outdoors, um, just as a woman and, um, as a wife. And I, I know there's definitely some families out there that don't have the same fortune of, um, it being, you know, this couple thing, it's more like a, a boys club and the women kind of like just put up with it. And I, I've, I've just never, been able to understand that myself but not not in any way judging or anything it's just something that I'm not able to I guess comprehend because I I there's nowhere else I'd rather be than um you know be out there and um you know helping him pack out you know whatever you know we can whether it's you know just our our packs filled with nothing and or you know fortunate enough to have made a harvest and um you know be able to be so humble for you know this animal's sacrifice you know for us and being able to pack that out with him and um when our daughter um and son when they both went on their first hunt and they were both able to harvest their own um you know animals it was such an incredible experience um and you know i i all i did was you know walk with them <laughs> so it's um and you know to see Lauren's, you know, reaction to that too. And Lauren's dad's reaction and how proud, you know, he was, that's, it's so just powerful. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, there's really nothing like, like you know, getting kids out in the, 
you know, getting kids out there and hunting for the first time and seeing them experiencing the emotions and creating a connection in them with, with where their food comes from. And, you know, we were really fortunate, uh, you know, a couple of years ago to do a three generation hunt, which was something that, uh, my, my dad had always wanted to do with, uh, you know, with my grandfather and, and myself. And unfortunately, you know, he had sustained an ankle injury a long time ago and he just, he had kind of given up on hunting before we had the opportunity to do that. My grandfather, yeah. Before we'd had an opportunity to do that three generation hunt and, uh, to, to be able to do that, you know, with, with myself as a dad and, um, you know, my father and my son, um, man, what an experience. Yeah. For me to be able to even experience hunting, you know, with Lauren's dad, to to see that whole you know passion cycle of um, not only the bond that they the incredible bond that they have um, with each other, but the passion they have for um, anything from just going to the shooting range to you know actually hunting itself is so awesome to be a part of. But so incredible. Yeah, that sharing that experience, like I said, with. You know, I was saying husband and wife, but with your entire family and watching that come full circle from, you know, Lauren's dad to Lauren to to now your son. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you talked about the teenage, those teenage years, right? With the age of your kids. I talked to uh, Taryn Wigand last night, Future of Hunting. And that was one of the things that we were talking about because my son started when he was seven and it got really hard at about 12, right? Because they want that that quick satisfaction or yeah. gratification, right? The hard work yep. part of it, yep. they're like, ah, I'm kind of over it. But now, you know, he's 17 years old. And uh, after I came back from Wyoming last year, he's like, dad, you know what? Next year, it's all about the elk. Let's go. So I, I awesome. think there's an age thing, right? Where maybe the distractions and, and he's an athlete. So he's playing football. He goes to private school, workload, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm making excuses yeah. for him not being in the woods. <laughs> 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 um, but it's not something that we want to push on them. We want them to experience and appreciate on their, at their will. Right. Um, and I think yeah. that part of it is really valuable. So I, you know, I got hope that, yeah, uh, yeah they're taken away from it. Yeah, and, and I, I think for us, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just take my son as an example. Um, you know, we've talked to him. I mean, he's kind of gotten out of the hunting a little bit. Um, he's just he's been pursuing other passions. Um, he does music. Um, he does sports, and uh, you know, I, I think he's he's really found other passions that that he you know just has a stronger pull towards right now. But um, in talking to him you know, kind of getting back to the idea that, you know, for me, my passion was hunting for my father. It was, it was guns. And we had this cross intersection. Um, you know, he told us the other day that he really enjoys fishing. And so we're probably going to get him out and get him out more fishing. Um, you know, if that's his passion, that's, that's great. I mean, anything in the outdoors is, is better than, you know, sitting there playing video games all day. Oh yeah. (laughs) And as far as the, the connection that, you know, Lauren and I get to share, you know, through, any sort of outdoor realm, um, but especially the hunting, I, I feel like if anything, it just brings us closer together. Cause we, I mean, there's a lot of different dynamics that end up happening to where we, we definitely, um, you know, instinctively solo, we would be doing things at a different pace or a different way. Um, so I, I know he's had to, you know, make several, um, you know, tweaks on, you know, his, his version of, you know, how his innate, um, you know, way of doing things once I came along and, um, 
you know, like, like I said, I, I grew up, you know, hunting from a deer blind. So, um, anything that, you know, he was showing me was definitely something new, but gosh, I, every year I'm just so excited to learn something more and something different from him. And I feel like it's like the best, you know, date night repeated throughout a whole season, you know, with him. And it's, it's, and, and, you know, it's being under, you know, under the stars at night when we're, you know, making dinner after hiking, you know, forever. And whether we got something or, or not, you know, is, is truly, you know, a romantic night. And then, you know, he'll, he'll wake up in the morning and come out of the wall tent and go snag a grouse with his, <laughs> with his bow. And he's like, breakfast. So, you know, it's thump in the chest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bring, I bring dinner. Yeah. That's awesome. So, it's like, he he goes out there to you know get the stuff to make coffee and um you know tiptoes back in he's like babe there's a grouse out there it still hasn't seen me i'm i'm gonna go get it and i was like okay and two seconds later he comes in he's like breakfast there you <laughs> go. Like, all right cool i don't know man that's oh, yeah. a, that's a lot to live up to i'm feeling a little inferior right now lauren <laughs> <laughs> okay well so late later on that afternoon when we were summoning like the the mountain area at the camera the Sika camera we were wearing just happened to be so good that um we we flushed a, a grouse out and it almost knocked me right in the face before it realized <laughs> oh. that i was there so you know i mean it the 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 grouse you know really kind of they're they're also of his little niche you know able to you know get at the drop of the hat kind of thing yeah i was just glad i was able to get it with the bow you know i didn't have to didn't have to break out a 22 or something. So I, uh, I was able to shoot it in the head with a bow. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a, a fun little consolation prize for, for that particular weekend. We, we had a bull elk that we had called into about 80 yards and he hung up in some nasty thick uh, aspens and we just, there was no opening to call him into. We just, we ended up uh, running out of daylight with him as well. And so the, the grouse was good though. Yeah. 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 I mean, just to, just to be able to get them, coming in and that, at least that's how I look at it right I'm still I'm still in my infancy as far as elk go um in my elk hunting but to even get them coming into your calls is something yeah. that uh I have to you know say at, at least from my perspective I was successful even if you yep. don't walk away you know notching that tag I mean every every experience out and you're getting them closer and closer that's you know that's success in my opinion the the second I the second I end up having a back and forth conversation with one I just it's it just gets me to the core it, it's so amazing one of my favorite favorite experiences and I and I haven't even you know harvested one yet so I, I can only imagine how much better that'll even you know feel if I'm ever lucky enough to harvest one too okay Ali you got to give me your perspective right because I am absolutely elk obsessed okay, I, okay. I've got calls everywhere <laughs> I got bugle tubes and Game changer calls. I go to bed thinking about elk. I wake up thinking <laughs> about elk. From a yeah. woman's perspective, is it the same? Because every man absolutely. I talk to is absolutely elk upset. Absolutely. I so literally now that I'm here and you know this guy, he he probably made the worst best mistake of his life. You know, <laughs> letting me you know, have an encounter with an elk. It's like you know mule deer are awesome. They're great. You know, obviously whitetail was my first love. Um, whitetail, quail, um, pheasants, dove hunting was all I did in Texas. But now it's, I mean, if we're not even, if we're not in a position to where I can, so I, we're, we're, I'm calling elk all the time, all year round, whether it's photography or hunting. Um, 
if, if he's like, let's go get some mule deer, I'm just like, uh, really? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and anytime, you know, we hear them bugle, I go home and, you know, the, the back door closes. I was like, was that a bugle? I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm definitely obsessed and Oh, it obsessed. it yeah. doesn't help that our entire bedroom is surrounded with oak pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that every, every room in this house has something elk related, whether it's amount of picture. Um, uh, we have a, we got a really cool um, saw that was uh, saw that was converted into two uh, bulls fighting. Um, that's in our kitchen. So it's like, <laughs> we're, yeah. Really? So to answer the question, Absolutely. yes, it's, it's I, I don't know if it's the same for every woman, but it's definitely the same for me. I'm, I, I love hunting deer with him, but I'm still hoping that we come across an elk just because I feel like when, when I can get them talking to me still and I can call them in and it's not even the rut. Oh, I love it. They, they call me the fire starter because I'm always, you know, starting fights with my calls no matter the season. it is. Nice. Yeah. She's, she's really learned this technique for, calling to the using a cow call to call to the bulls and she will she will if there are two bulls in the herd she will get them pissed off at each other and she will get them fighting oh no way yeah 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 so. you know as a as a husband i mean to, to see her passion for elk grow and uh you know one of my proudest moments is you know seeing her growth and in, in calling elk and bringing elk in. And I mean, it's to the point now where, you know, when we go hunting, you know, if, if I've, if I'm the one with the tag and I just, I know I've got a solid partner behind me to, to call them in and I'll move on up ahead of her. And we just kind of, you know, work in tandem to try to bring those elk in close. So yeah, I think, sorry, Lauren, Lauren, would you say it's the best worst decision like Ali said, or is it the best, best decision bringing her into the elk wood? You know, for the first year when she was learning to call, it was the best worst decision. <laughs> um, but now it's the best best decision. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then so guys like Corey Jacobson, who you know say there you can never call too much. Like I think it's because of him and you know other other people that feel the same way that have given me the confidence to. I mean, I to truly feel like I can learn their behaviors and know for sure when. It, it could be too much, but I, I almost feel like it's never too much, actually. So. You know, I think one of the interesting things that happened recently to us, we were uh, we were up in a herd of elk, and it happened to be somewhere where we had cell phone service. So we went ahead and jumped on Instagram and started a live after we got some pictures and some video. And so we're showing this herd of elk, and, and Allie's calling to them while the live's going on. And we got a we got a comment afterwards asking, you know, why why are we calling to these elk? It's you know, it's uh, it's you know. March or April or when, whenever it was. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, what are, what are you expecting them to do? And it's like, well, you know, we're calling to these elk year round. We're still learning their behaviors. You know, as often as we spend with these elk, we are still learning about very subtle changes. We, we've experienced some vocalizations from these elk that, uh, you know, I think maybe, I think we've run into like maybe one or two other people that have experienced these vocalizations. And, wow. and we, we talk to people and we show them video that we've captured. And, and it's like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's what you're doing out there is, you know, you're, you're learning something that nobody else really knows. And then I, I come home and I immediately try to mimic, you know, I, I make him play the recording over and over again. And I try to mimic it with their people tube or, or something. So I, I know that we get in that type of um, scenario again with the bull and they, they do that um, kind of vocalization that I'll be ready to give it back to them. Um, 
So, and yeah. that's what I was talking about earlier, right? With all the time that you spend out there, that's one of the yeah. things that stood out to me. It's like, man, they have to be just killing them, you know? And maybe it's not notching the tag, but, you know, what you're gathering with that much, much exposure, oh, my goodness. You know, we had, we had an experience where um, right about sunset, uh, a little bit after sunset, right before last light, uh, we – found a bull that was uh, a herd bull that was back in the timber and um, it was near a road, but not close enough to the road where we could actually see it and get any pictures or video or anything. But we had just have such a passion for these animals that we actually drove up to the end of this road, stopped, turned the car off and we we're calling back and forth to this bull. And it, I mean, it's pitch black now, right? We're in the, we're in the dark timber here at the end of the road and, and we're calling this bull in and we've got another bull that's glunking down in the in the valley. And we're like trying to figure out like, okay, we've got all these calls with us. How can we imitate this this bull glunking? Mm-hmm. Because we you know which is a tending call um, that, that the bulls use in the peak rut. And we're we're trying to imitate this glunking and we're using this this other herd bull uh, to see whether or not this works. And so we're we're starting to make these like glunking noises as best we can. And this bull goes silent and we're like, well, geez, what did, did we run him off? And all of a sudden he bugles from like 10 feet away in the dark. Oh, yeah. and, then, and, then he, and then he went silent again and then came up and we're like, okay, maybe, maybe it's over. And Lauren was getting ready to turn the truck on. And all of a sudden he barked like right, right next to my, my window, basically scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> we were expecting him to, be, you know, either, bugle or you know or just be done or or glunk or something and then he he did his you know his um you know bark chuckle kind of thing uh-huh. and the 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 initial the initial bark just i jumped out of my seat and was like oh my gosh and you know all my calls like fall on my hand and i'm like you know and so it, but it was awesome it was, it was the best worst experience <laughs> so so that kind of brings me to elk strategies when you guys are going in how much scouting are you doing? Well, that, that almost sounds like a stupid question, but I guess if you're putting in for, you know, these, the tags, premium tags or your draw tags, uh, and you're going OTC. So how much scouting are you doing? What's your strategy going in, um, when you're, when you're out there chasing them, um, to fill that tag? Well, we try to get out during the summer as much as we can and scout. Um, like Lauren said earlier, this past season was a first season we really utilized trail cams. So, um, that was a huge, huge benefit. I mean, we, we saw not only, um, you know, several awesome bucks, um, that we were able to, um, kind of pattern. Yeah. Bucks for, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, he, he's looking at me like bucks. bucks you mean bulls? Yeah. I know I got you. <laughs> sorry. I was, come to mind. Yeah. I was sorry. following along. Uh, yeah. Um, so we were able to, you know, pattern quite a few nice bucks, um, on one trail cam while, in another part of the unit, um, a little downwards, we were able to pattern, you know, the, the bull that, that five by five bull, um, that we just weren't able to close in on, um, mountain lion, um, bears, a couple bears, I think, um, if not one. Yeah. I mean, it really helped us figure out the, the predator patterns as well, yeah. the predator travel patterns. So that was, Coyote that was definitely. really new experience for us. Yeah. Um, so that that will definitely be something that we utilize again this year. This year we are going to do something a little crazy, and we are trying a completely different unit that we've never really even explored. Have not set foot in yeah, before. Never set foot in before. So we are going to try to get up there and you know um, try to make it more of a a family oriented experience. Like Lauren was saying earlier, our, our sons 
um, expressed a passion for fishing. So we're going to try to get up there and scout um, somewhere near a lake um, or any sort of, you know, body of water up there to where they, the kids can have some fun doing some things that they like um, while we can get some scouting in and um, without feeling like we're, you know, leaving them to their own devices right. too much. Um, so that, that's definitely our, our scouting strategy, just getting boots on the ground as, you know, often as possible because we're fortunate to live, you know, within the state of where we're hunting, where I know a lot of other people, you know, as yourself that, um, you know, have to go to other types of um, advantages for that kind of stuff. So um, as far as, yeah, that, that, that's what we mainly do for the scouting time. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're hunting 99%, you know, public land over the counter, yeah. um, you know, strong focus on national forest and BLM. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I really got spoiled with the state land up in Montana, um, you know, being set aside uh, for hunters here in Colorado. It's not that way. Um, you know, they've, they've leased out a lot of the, the complete rights for access to the, to the state land. It really feels like a, like a slap in the face compared to Montana with, you know, Montana having stream access law and, and access to, um, recreate on, on state land. You know, the, they have a, a state land, uh, use permit, um, that I believe has since been incorporated since I've been up there. It's been incorporated into the conservation license, uh, that basically hunters have bought rights to their, to access the land for the purposes of hunting to all state land in the state of Montana. It's just not the case here in Colorado. There's no, um, you know, stream access law here in Colorado is just, it's much more privatized and, and yet, you know, here they have all this great public land. So, you know, we focus on where we can hunt and we hunt, you know, public land as, as much as we can. And it's just really, a, you know, that learning curve of trying to figure out, you know, where the best places are to go with the limited time we have with raising three kids and still wanting to hunt and, and do photography and everything else that, that we do in the outdoors. So we're learning as we go. Um, as you know, the strategy really is now that we're continuing to expand the areas, we're trying to not get stuck in a rut. Um, <laughs> no yeah, I know. Pun intended. <laughs> We're, we're trying to not get stuck into just, you know, sticking with the same area, even though it's got too many people in it. We're trying to find, you know, a little bit less crowded areas and expanding our horizons across the state. I, I think one of the benefits that we have is, uh, you know, we've got lots of great elk units. Um, uh, and unfortunately, the over-the-counter area gets a little bit hammered, but um, we're trying to figure out, uh, we've gotten rid of the wall tent, we're switching over to uh, lighter equipment so we can get a little bit further back in. And, you know, I, I think uh, that's been a big struggle for me coming from Montana. Um, you really only had to get about two miles off the road in order to get away from people in Montana. And I would say here in Colorado, it's really close to five to seven. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's good info for a guy that's going into Montana or excuse me, Colorado, uh, semi-blind, we're going to pull, I'm going to try and pull a couple scouting trip in the next couple months and get up there. Got a, got my eyeball on a couple units, um, on the map that look pretty well, you know, from the map, as far as I can tell, look pretty good. So cross our yeah. fingers. So that's some good info yeah. for me. And utilizing, um, like go hunt and stuff like that is, has been, uh, uh, you know, very helpful for us as well. Um, I got that for Lauren a couple of years ago for Father's Day and I, I get, you know, just as much use out of it um, as he does. I feel like a lot of his Father's Day gifts are dual use. The same thing goes for Mother's Day gifts. Was, I, we yeah. did a turkey hunt together for Mother's Day a couple there of years ago. There you go. Yeah. So with all food, there's a cost. You guys had a post some time ago and that was part of the caption. Um, and 
you social media wise, you, you see a lot of people going back and forth, you know, they don't see what we do and why we do it. And, you know, that, that life of convenience that, that most folks lead. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about that with all food, there's a cost. Yeah. So that, that caption actually stemmed from a conversation that, um, that I had had with, uh, with a vegan that had, had made a comment about, uh, I think it was, I think the original post was a picture of, uh, of a mule deer that I had harvested and, uh, you know, talking about how, you know, how dare I, I kill this poor animal and, um, started talking to her a little bit about her her food and where, where her her food comes from. And I, and I told her, look, you know, all food comes with a cost. Um, in order for you to live a vegan lifestyle, um, you still have to eat something and something else has to die in order for that food to be available. Um, and you know, I can cite studies. I'll, I'll just, you know, throw, throw one to you off the top of my head. Um, I know there was a 2003 study, and I wrote down the name of it, uh, Fisher-Lamy study, um, that showed that uh, 7.3 billion wild animals per year are killed in order to harvest crops. Wow. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible number. Um, but taking the number aside, and I'll, just, I'll be very honest and open here, nobody knows what the real number is because, quite frankly, we don't do a good job of studying this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just kind of assumed, you know, we know how much – uh, how many cows are being killed each year because, you know, farmers are reporting, you know, these numbers to their, uh, to their livestock agencies and that sort of thing. But, you know, what is the impact of a monoculture crop like wheat? Um, the pesticides that are put down, the fertilizers that are put down, the animals that are killed during harvest, the, the biodiversity that's lost as a result of having, you know, miles and miles of wheat fields, um, you know, there's there's a cost that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to, and um, in in bringing the, that up to this end of, uh, this particular uh, vegan, I was actually able to get her to understand that um, just because she decides to eat only plants, and I said, if, if that's the, the route that you're choosing to take, I have no problem with you choosing to take that route. Um, good good for you. You you've made a choice, so long as it's, as it's an educated choice. Um, but realize that you're choosing to make that decision does not mean that animals haven't died for, for your food that you consume. Um, there are mice that have died. There are insects that have died. And if you look at uh, the number of sentient beings that die as a result of, uh, of harvesting animals, it's, it's pretty well understood that um, harvesting a single large animal will result in, in fewer deaths per calorie uh, consumed than, uh, than harvesting crops. And it's, it's just, it's really something that I think a lot of, uh, a lot of hunters need to understand if they are going to have an argument, uh, with people who don't hunt. Um, you know, hunters are in the minority where, you know, we're what 10 to 11% of the population, but vegans only consist of, you know, what about 3% of the population? I think it's 2.7 or something like that. Yeah. And, and so you've got this, you know, you've got, you know, 97% of the population consumes meat. And you've got a very vocal 3% of the population that, that thinks that the other 97% is wrong, but they're so much more vocal um, that, you know, we need to be able to speak on, on behalf of, you know, what we feel. And, and really what I feel is that um, there, there's no simple answer, but there is a cost to anything that you choose to eat. And to not take that into account is, you know, ostrich syndrome is sticking your head in the sand and it's, um, it, it's just, it's not making an educated decision about where your food's coming from and, and what it costs in order for you to live. And it's huge that we as hunters, uh, 
are able to have an educated and intellectual conversation when it comes to that, right? Because a lot of us, especially on social media, right, will fire back. Um, you know, I was looking at a, a bear hunting page that I follow, and there's this one gentleman in particular, every single time that there's a post, this guy is, yeah, I mean, he's firing off just nastiness, um, just horrible nastiness. So I, I usually don't do it. Um, today I posted on there and I was nice about it. And I go, look, man, if you're on here every day, you, you apparently wholeheartedly hate us, but let's, you know, I have a podcast. Let's get on my platform. I will respectfully listen to what you have to say on the other side of the coin. I expect the same, but let's have the conversation instead of just insulting the people that choose to let you have your opinion, but also choose to go harvest their own food. And I haven't heard anything yet, but I think it's super important for us to take the high ground, even if it's just 3% of them, right? A lot of us are ready to, you know, spit piss and vinegar at them all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I I think there's, I think there's a huge number of people out there that they're going to believe what they want to believe and they're not going to listen to anybody. Oh yeah. And all they want to do is hate on the world. Yeah. And and you're never going to reach those people, but there's other people who have not heard a respectful point of view that, you know, like what I talked about and, you know, having somebody actually take the time to listen to an educated uh, point of view and realize that, you know, I actually never thought about that before. And, and we had this individual actually reach out and said, you know, I've, I've never heard this perspective before. I appreciate where you're coming from. Um, you know, it, it may take me a while to get over this idea of, you know, it being okay to, to eat meat. Um, and it may not be something that I do, but after hearing this from you, I actually kind of respect where you're coming from. That's awesome. Good on you for that one. That's what, yeah. but that's what we need. I mean, it's so important to embrace, embrace that opposition, I guess, um, and do what you did. I mean, I, I think we all, we all can get sucked down that rabbit hole of, you know, tit for tat and back and forth really, really easy in that social realm. Yeah, absolutely. I even had, so Lauren had posted um, a video of me um, trying to get up from, or get up from the ground with my uh, pack, you know, loaded with um, some quarters. And, you know, it was kind of a funny video because I was having a little bit of problems doing it. But, um, you know, he, he had mentioned in the, the comments or in the caption about, you know, having, you know, a lot of, um, or, you know, being able to, hunt with someone that, um, you know, loves, loves the whole aspect of it as much as he does. And we had someone that I'll actually read it to you quickly. We actually had someone that, um, responded to it, you know, just saying, I understand that you kill to eat, but I don't understand the part of loving it. And I've, I, we've been very fortunate enough to not have that many, um, negative comments on our platform where there are a lot of other people that have to unfortunately deal with it, you know, a lot more. Um, and, but you know, I, for some reason I, I just felt very strongly about, um, what this person, you know, was saying, because I, I, I actually felt that they, you know, gave us a little bit of credit of saying, you know, how they understood something that we were doing, but they didn't understand something else. So I actually just said, you know, uh, being able to truly understand the love, compassion, respect, privilege, and, perseverance that come with being humbled enough to hike, spot, harvest, quarter, pack out, butcher, and provide food for your family is something that can only be appreciated by experiencing it for yourself. 
we understand everyone has their own opinions and way of life, but we, the hunters, don't uh, take animal sacrifice, uh, take an, an animal sacrifice for granted. And being able to pass that on to generations to come is why our love of this opportunity can never be tainted by misunderstandings. Thank you for, thank you so much for reaching out and we appreciate your, you expressing your thoughts in a civil way. Um, so I, I know that they, um, they responded saying, you know, thank you for replying in a, in a civil way too. So, um, you know, they didn't get into more of it, but like, like you said, I, I feel like there's a way to, um, express differences in a very, very respectful manner because, um, you know, not everyone's going to think the same and that's right. okay. But, um, like Lauren said earlier, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, uh, tolerate some people that will just go off on you when they don't even have any understanding mm -hmm. of, you know, their platform. Yeah. So. It's nice. It, it's nice. And I think there's a level of curiosity with folks that yes. have never done it or have never been exposed to it. There's a level of curiosity and, and taking that higher road, if that's what we want to call it, may open the door to a new hunter if we shed some right. light on it in that way. Right. The admiration yeah. for the animal. And, and I see it quite often where, you know, there'll be a grip and grin or, you know, a video and it's like, you know, look at this beautiful animal. Yes, it's laying there and we just took that life, but it's still beautiful to us. It, it is still something yeah. that we admire and respect, you know, a million times over. And yeah, that that whole circle of life. I mean, we're providing for our families and I, I just think holding that and showing that part of it, the experience part of it um, could be eye-opening for some folks. And, yeah, li and like and Lauren I, I said, like that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I'm I was going to say, like, like Lauren said, there are those that it's like talking to a wall. I'm going to just say it. Lauren didn't say it like that, but there are those that it's just <laughs> like talking to a wall and you're never going to, yeah. you're never going to get through. Right. And that's the conversations that we just need to end and, you know, be done with. Swipe left. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I feel like this interaction with this individual, if they would have, you know, responded with something more back, I, I think that's an opportunity where Laura and I might've said, if there was someone local, Hey, why don't, you know, next time, you know, we go out either scouting or actually hunting, why don't you come out with us and you can experience it the way that we do. And then you can, you know, decide whether, whether or not it's for you, but again, to each their own. And, um, it's not up to us to, you know, um, stand over someone with like a, a cartoon mallet and, you know, go bang, 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 all of our ideals for them. It's, you know, it's up to us to, you know, share that and uh, put it out there and let other people, you know, decide genuinely whether or not it's for them or not. So, yeah. So we, we kind of tap dance on a little bit. So um, what's your take on social media with, uh, and I'm, I'm asking this, I'm going to just say it because I saw Lauren comment on uh, a friend of mine's post today. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming that it was Lauren. And social media is kind of a weird thing, right? You guys navigate it very, very well um, and very respectfully. But there's a lot of. A lot of things that can do detriment to our lifestyle or our passion if you will. So what's your take on the whole social media realm with, with all of everything we see? And that's, you know, that's really a tough one. And, and I, I think we, 
we tend to take a, a pretty political approach to it. I mean, we definitely have our opinions. We try to we try to keep from you know quote unquote going off on people. Um, sometimes that's difficult. You know, sometimes um, like I had uh, I've been having a conversation with uh, an individual who's been posting some very uh, very negative things uh, about uh, about wolves and um, saying very negative things about hunters in relation to uh, you know to harvesting game and that sort of thing. I think. Uh, uh, saying something on the order of, you know, most hunters just leave the animals out in the field to rot. And uh, I ended up, you know, having a conversation with this individual back and forth. And, you know, it doesn't matter that the individual only had 100 followers. It, it was somebody who is putting this thing out there. But um, the way that I ended up taking the conversation, I realized I was not going to change this individual's mind. I mean, you look at what they posted. They were, uh, they were rabid and they were, you know, just absolutely, uh, hell bent on putting out false information. And so what I chose to do with the conversation was get them off of talking about wolves and get them on another topic, which was, um, the fact that they were taking hunters pictures, which is a copyright violation. And I was talking to them about, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the copyright regulations and the fact that they were violating the law, the fact that they could be charged $10,000, you know, per, uh, per use or more depending on the use of it. And, um, you know, the individual basically got to the point of saying that, you know, I don't care what Instagram's rules are. I'm going to do what I want to do until somebody tells me I can't. And I said, uh, you know, just so you know, if you use one of my photographs, I absolutely will charge you and you will learn about what copyright violations mean. But by the way, this this conversation that you just had with me, you have done more damage to your cause than 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 any post that you could have possibly done, uh, because I now have all the ammunition I need, and I think that's what hunters need to realize that if they start going off the deep end on this, that they are giving so much ammunition to other people to to see hunters in a negative light, and I think that's that's really that that balance that we try to bring is that let's bring facts to this let's let's bring an open honest argument to this um you know there's the in this conversation about you know you know should we do grip and grins should we show pleasure in the fact that we're hunting yeah absolutely we should be showing pleasure in hunting but let's make the pictures respectful um so that when they are illegally shared by people like this um that you know we have the justification to say yes this is a part of hunting this is a part of a tradition i mean any hunter going back into millennia is going to be happy that they have meat to bring home back to their family that they have you know harvested organic meat that is going to feed their family for the entire year that they have a connection with the land that they are able to um to you know understand why an animal died so that they can live it's it's defensible. It's something that we can can all stand behind and be proud of. It's not something that um, that we're putting out there that we have to defend because we don't we don't need to. It's it's right. It's the way the world was, you know, come about. I mean, people have been hunting to survive, and we're carrying on this tradition. Not everybody has to participate in that tradition, but I think in order for it to be defensible, it just has to be reasonable. Not only that, we didn't. Um, you know, we worked hard and prepared and, um, you know, went through trials and tribulations and, uh, you know, uh, so, so many things that play into it that, um, didn't have this animal, you know, suffering from disease or, um, starvation in a feedlot just to get to the grocery store, you know, and that's what they miss. Yeah. 
that's what yeah. they miss, right? I, I, you want to start getting me going on something, talk about factory farming when somebody starts hollering yep. about hunting. Yep. Yep. And, and as hunters, I would guarantee that we waste far less meat than the folks just running into the grocery store, grabbing a pound of ground beef and uh, throwing that in the, the pan. Exactly. Drive past, drive past any feedlot and tell me how that's a better ending for that animal. Right. How that's a better life um, for that animal. Yeah. And, and conversely, I mean, let's just jump into the whole predator realm. I mean, you know, let's, let's take wolves, which is, which is better a hunter's bullet or being eaten alive by, by a pack of wolves. Or just killed for sport. Yeah. Which wolves do, yeah. which, uh, you know, there's, there's absolutely no mistaking that that happens. And, and we're seeing more and more of it in some of these states where reintroduction and wolves are protected and the numbers are climbing. Yeah. More and more. Um, yep. ooh, we're getting kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> getting kind of dark. Let's spin off of that one. We were doing so good. My heartstrings were being pulled and we got dark. <laughs> Dang social media. <laughs> Man, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole conservation movement really. It's, and it's not just about let's go back and let's eliminate wolves. It's, it's really, let's, let's put sound scientific management in place. Let's create spaces where, uh, you know, wild animals can live and thrive and, and where hunters can pursue them and, and, you know, keep this passion going for generation after generation. It's, it's really a positive conversation if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah. It's, it's totally sunshine and rainbows. That's, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> did, did I say I look at the, at the social media stuff as being political? Oh, my goodness. It, it's crazy when you start, you know, it's hard yeah. for me, right? So you guys, and I'm going to go back to Good Bull. So you guys have this this uh, this magic, right? This This way to gain those followers. And that's what we're all looking for, right, on that and trying to, our whatever our platform is for me, the podcast. And so you guys have this, what was it, the secret sauce. So to magic speak. sauce, magic, the magic yeah, sauce. Magic there you go. Sauce and secret sauce. Yeah. Um, he's got him. He's got all the sauces. Yeah. So it's, but it's very, and I think that's why I struggle with it because you get on there and you just, I just tend to shy away from negativity. If there's, if it's negative, I just don't want to deal with it. Um, yeah. And that's that I find that so hard about social media as much as I enjoy seeing, you know, your pictures and, and, harvest pictures and people enjoying the outdoors there's just there's just so much freaking negative that comes along with it mm -hmm. and and i really try and look at the positive and you know cull my my following um you know and and if i see that stuff i'll just you know get rid of it right away um but yeah it's hard to deal with yeah when you hit that negative area it, it sometimes you feel like you're right in the middle of you know game of thrones yeah, it's like epic battle. It's not even worth it. It's not <laughs> yeah. worth the energy. You know, yeah, I mean, you really need to keep perspective with it. I mean, you can you can look at that glass being you know as half full or half empty, but what you really need to realize is that there's more room for whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need it. Yeah. Yeah, it's something else. So, um, future outlook for Good Bull. How are we? What are we looking? What are we looking like and what projects and things do you guys have coming up for us? Well, obviously less, you know, negative soul sucking um, <laughs> <laughs> social media involvement. But um, no, um, on a serious note, I, I think we're 
we're really hoping to make Good Bowl a kind of um, like your one-stop shop um, outdoor media conglomerate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Company. Yes, yes, yeah, I mean, you know. There. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, we've been starting to do the live Q and A's. Um, we just did uh, episode uh, three and three and a half this week, um, which was kind of a gear review, um, you know, related a lot to the photography that we do. I think we're going to do a future gear review that that's related more towards the hunting equipment that we use, but, um, a camo gear one as well, which is our well women's women's camo, yeah, yeah which I think is a, a really important topic for you know getting getting a new segment of the population out there. Women are the the fastest growing segment within the hunting population, and and I think and I think really getting women into the outdoors is going to be the the key to hunting's future. Um, so we have a strong, uh, a strong bent towards getting women in the outdoors and improving the the gear that women have available to use. You know, we talked about how the whole uh, pink it and shrink it thing just doesn't work. Um, you know, men haven't had to suffer through that, but women certainly do. Right. Yeah. And I think um, definitely doing more, you know, videography um, or yeah, videography specific um, projects. I I think we're definitely looking forward to. Um, Lauren actually had a, a really really cool experience um, that started in 2018, but um, trickled into 2019 because it was over New Year's. Um, he was able to get in with um, Beyond Rubicon, and they um, asked him to come out to New Mexico and um, spend a week with them filming uh, one of their late season uh, buck archery um tags and you can kind of tell more more about that yeah so you know we we started uh started off doing the video with the with the wildlife and i mean obviously we hunt and this was you know really my first uh solid opportunity to you know have a hunter and, and experience the the videography end of you know capturing everything that you need to capture during during a hunt and it happened to be with beyond rubicon which is um you know just some really fantastic people you know a, a dad and, and a couple of sons and grandkids and um you know being able to watch the dynamics of you know uh, of an older individual who's recently you know taken up bow hunting you know watching him harvest a, a mule deer but also you know watching his his grandson go out and and chase after deer and you know help you know doing it helping with uh you know trailing on a blood trail and um you know just seeing the interaction of all these different people it's um it's absolutely the best of of hunting and it just it really engaged me and so we're really hoping to do more filming this year um we've got uh, two projects that we're working on for two separate nonprofits, and uh, we're really hoping to tell a story um one story is going to be about uh, new hunters that have uh, never been hunting before, and, and we're going to going to try to show them, you know, experiencing it for the first time. And then another uh, opportunity that uh, that we're exploring and is probably going to work out for, um, I'm guessing October is going to be um, volunteers who volunteer their time for uh, pro hunting organizations. There's uh, there's an organization that has a whole bunch of uh, hunts for disabled vets, and they've they've been able to tell the story. Uh, quite frequently of, you know, what these vets have experienced, uh, with, with both their disability and getting to go out and hunting. Um, but we haven't really experienced, uh, you know, a film that's been able to, you know, show the volunteers that, that go into, uh, yeah, the behind the scenes of, you know, how do these get created and why are these people volunteering their time and what do they get out of it? And, you know, maybe that'll help drive, you know, more volunteer hours to be put into, into these organizations that are doing this for, 
uh, for not only for disabled vets, but also for conservation and, and other organizations that are helping keep our lifestyle up and going. And I think, yeah, and I think also really getting to connect with more, you know, people like yourself and um, having this awesome opportunity to do podcasts and um, also with, you know, back, uh, backcountry rookies um, as well. And, um, you know, within doing a couple of podcasts, we'd really like to eventually try to get one going for us and get, you know, as many people on there and their, their take on it as well. Um, that that's definitely a future goal, but, um, just even connecting any way possible with, you know, the people that have the same passions that we do. And I think that's aside from Lauren feeling like he had a platform to, you know, share not only his talent, but, um, our passion as a couple and a family with, you know, posting his stuff on Instagram and our, our, our stuff with Good Bowl and everything like that. I, I think we really just love being able to connect with um, other people that feel the same way we do about uh, whether it's hunting, photography, wildlife, whatever the case may be, anything outdoors. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll never, n- never stop feeling like that's our, our main drive for this. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it an amazing community of people? Um, you know, when I decided, oh, I'm going to do a podcast, right? Thank God there's, it has a low barrier of entry for one. Um, but you don't, you realize it, but you don't realize how powerful people's stories are and the drive and the passion is just an amazing, and I'm, I'm not just talking hunters. There's just something about hunters in my head. Um, but just yeah. outdoors people, you know, men and women in general, it's just an amazing community of people. Yeah, absolutely. It's even, you know, from a woman's perspective where I've, you know, always been kind of the, the, the guys girl, I, I've mostly had, you know, the majority of guy friends to, um, girlfriends, you know, and growing up. And, um, I, I was just always, you know, getting dirty out, you know, in the barn, you know, playing with rattlesnakes and my brother and I, you know, <laughs> getting their, you know, skin, making boots and belts and everything, you know, with those, um, and, to, to meet other, you know, women in the hunting industry and be kind of wary at first to find out just how genuine and organic and so supportive and, um, you know, welcoming the, the women are, especially in the hunting community, men as well, obviously, but, um, I, I was very, um, pleasantly surprised to, to know, you know, the personalities that I've been fortunate enough to meet, um, on the women's aspect as well. You know, there's, you look at social media and there's so many, uh, you know, keyboard cowboys out there that are just saying negative things constantly. Um, it, it, it seems like, <laughs> it seems like that's what, uh, it, you know, it seems like that's their only purpose being out there. But I mean, this is our first year going out to the Western Hunt Expo and, you know, seeing the, the quote unquote personalities, um, that are, that are in the social media and, and outdoor industry. And, you know, realizing that they, they are absolutely just wonderful people who want to help as many people as they can be as successful as they can and, and share this, this joint passion that we all have for hunting in the outdoors and, and conservation. And it's just, man, what a breath of fresh air going to this thing and seeing just how genuine these quote unquote personalities are. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we actually just got recognized for the first time walking through Walmart the other day and you know, we're, we're kind of looking at each other going like, did that just happen? <laughs> you know, we're, 
it was so weird. We're in the uh, picture frame, you know, aisle and uh, this very awesome, you know, cool couple uh, look kind of looks up at us a couple times. And then she, she finally asked, you guys are good bull outdoors, right? And I immediately look at Lauren thinking that he was wearing like a good bull outdoor shirt or something. And he wasn't. And, um, you know, I, I made this joke. I was like, I'm, you know, since because of the cancer stuff, I have, you know, wigs and everything that I wear. And I was still wearing my quote unquote, like sleeping wig and, you know, just had no makeup on, my sunglasses. Yeah. (laughs) Typical Walmart. I was like, I can't, I can't even go to Walmart anymore. This is crazy. I was totally joking, but uh, I, it was just so humbling, you know, to have that experience and we're looking at each other like, that's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> we, we don't see ourselves as, you know, these, we don't see ourselves as like outdoor personalities. And, yeah. and frankly, you know, after going to that Western Hunt Expo and meeting everybody that we did that, you know, just, you know, we were slightly starstruck by a few yeah. individuals I was like, and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, to realize that, you know, I'm sure these people have gone through exactly the same journey that, that we're just starting down the road on, mm-hmm. um, that, they are absolutely as down to earth as you can, you can imagine. And, and I mean, I can just imagine running into these people, you know, out in the mountains, you know, out hunting and, and that they would be just as genuine there as, as they were, you know, at this hunt expo. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I, I did the same thing and you, you have this, we, we put certain folks up on a pedestal, right. And then you mm-hmm. start talking to them and uh, there's a couple people that I was very Sydney Smith, right? He was one of them, and I was a stammering idiot. I couldn't get three <laughs> words out. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, just just their presence, you know, you feel like oh, they're larger than life, and they're looking. And, and Sid will say it, right? I'm just a normal dude, man, you know. And it's just like, yeah, but you're, you know, Sid, Sid, something else. But he, him, and a couple other guys, and uh, yeah, after I'm after Sid was the first one. So I got my mess together after that, and I was a little bit better with a couple more. But yeah, it's uh, it's something else. People are very welcoming, like you said, and it actually, it's actually like, yeah, you're just a hunter, you're just a normal guy, and everybody will say it. You know, they just, yeah, they just found their way before, you know, Good Bull. So are are you getting referred to as Mister and Mrs. Good Bull, like I referred to you earlier? I I think we might now. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Do we, do we have time for me to tell you a quick side story? Oh yeah, of course. Or, of course. Okay. Um, so actually at the, uh, Han Expo, we were, um, tra- we were tracking down Corey. Um, and cause he's, he's been super supportive of us, um, and has helped us out with a lot of giveaways and just, um, you know, help, you know, being very genuine and a lot of, you know, interactions that we've had with them. So we were super stoked to, you know, meet him in person and, um, we, we head back towards the mountain ops, you know, booth area where he was with Donnie. And when we walked up there, Corey was, um, you know, engaged in a conversation with somebody else. So we were just kind of standing back with, um, our, our youngest daughter had come with us. And, um, because of all the mounts around there, um, you know, they had like the, every animal possible mount mounts all around there. And, um, one of my dream hunts, um, was to actually hunt mountain lion. And, um, but even though I'm a vet, I am very allergic to medium hair, um, cats. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually carry EpiPen with me. Um, and 
we were walking around and I think because of how many people were in there, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you, you saw it too. It was oh, yeah. crazy. Um, all the people, you know, walking around, you know, making a breeze. Um, a lot of the dander of the, the cats were kind of floating. Stirred up. Yeah, yeah. Stirred up. So as soon as we get up to, um, the, you know, mountain ops area and we, we see Donnie there and we start talking to Donnie, um, I go into like this huge allergic reaction. Um, and I, I didn't even think to bring my EpiPen with me. It was so, so dumb. Um, but my throat kind of starts closing up a little bit. I start coughing. Um, my eyes immediately start watering and Donnie's like, you know, what is going on with this lady? You know, cause you know, Lauren's having a you know, very pleasant conversation with him while we're waiting for Corey. And so I go over and you know how the mountain ups booth had like all the sample jugs. Right. Um, I go over there and I get like three sample things of Enduro. I think it was. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I start like chugging that, you know, to try to get, you know, the, the, um, dander either, you know, down or up or, you know, whatever I can do. And then, um, I, it was, and it, it was also, and, and this is all in the middle of like, you know, Cam Haynes and yeah, Eva Shockey yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, Adam Green, and the green trees were yeah, there. Yeah. And, uh, and Corey Jacobs said, I mean, he's, we got all these, you know, personality, you know, celebrity hunting personalities yeah. there. And, and here she is you know, like starting to choke out with this, uh, with this allergy on this yeah. mountain lion. And I, I think Donnie kind of made like a side comment. He's like, something about like, you know, I know, you know, you're probably excited to meet me or something, but you know, you know, like, um, and you know, so Lauren has to like explain while I go over to, you know, the sample area, you know, what's going on. And you know, our daughter's like so embarrassed. And, um, I, you know, it was our, actually our first day, you know, going there too as well. So I, you know, primmed and prepped and wanted to be, you know, looking all, all cute, like all the, you know, girls do, um, at the shows and everything. And, um, you know, my mascara is like running everywhere and I just, I just look like a hot, a total hot mess. And, um, so we, um, we ended up like the, obviously the next day I had my EpiPen with me and we, we stopped by CVS. We're stocking up on Allegra and, you know, everything possible. And, you know, other people would be like, yeah, I'm not going back. And I'm like, you know, you know, screw this. Like, we'll, we'll let's, getting, let's double down. You know, <laughs> you know, nice and drugged up. And, you know, the next day I, I show up in like a sweatshirt and a hat. And, you know, I, I was, I was like, yeah, if I, if I get, um, a, another allergic reaction, at least I don't have to worry about, you know, looking like it was a nightmare on Elm street, you know? So yeah, that was, how did, how did chugging that, that enduro go? Were y'all jacked up on enduro after that? Yeah, 15 minutes later was solid. (laughs) Let's do this, guys. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Why are we not over on the mossy back, you know, section right now? (laughs) Yeah, I would have never I would have never thought that. Right. I guess, you know, you think amount and and allergic reaction. I would think, you know, live animal, but I would have never I would have never put two and two together with that one. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, so. Also in Bozeman, um, at the, sh- what's it called? Uh, Schneez. Yeah, Schneez. Um, the Schneez department store, they actually have a, a full male, um, lion, um, mount that, uh, we were, we were back there over Thanksgiving that we stopped in and I ended up having a little bit of allergic reaction to that one as well. But I figured that's more of a, a what you would consider a medium haired cat to be like, um, would be like a, a, an actual male lion or even a female lion but i always considered you know mountain lions um to be a little more of the short-haired variety but um i i could see you know the different dimensions the thickness of dander how that could probably not be so much 
so so now she's uh, she's moved her number one target from uh, from mountain lions over to uh, Kodiak brown bear. <laughs> yeah, I've I've snuggled with several brown bears um, mounts, and um, you know I've I've actually been fortunate enough to work um, do a surgery on a polar bear, which oh, wow. um, so I I know I I'm I'm I think I'm pretty safe with their with their fur. I think you're good. I think you're good on the bears. Yeah, and if not, I'll just walk around my house for the rest of my life with like a hazmat suit, and you know, <laughs> just so I can stare at my mount if I'm ever lucky enough to harvest one. I'm I'm sending you this mount that, uh, I, to me, this was the most beautiful cat mount that I have ever seen, and it was at the it was at the show there. I just sent it to you guys. I mean, this thing was amazing. I'm not sure if you saw it there or not, but it really sparked my interest in in hunting mountain lion i mean it was just absolutely beautiful yeah i, I are we able to get out of the app yeah you can if you just swipe don't swipe me you okay, know good. too bad but i just texted to you i mean it is just absolutely beautiful i look at this thing a couple times a week and just amazed at the at the work that they put into this lion mount just phenomenal yeah i don't think we've run it yet nope it hasn't come through yet, but yeah, we'll take a look. Yeah, at that. take Absolutely. a look. I mean, it is just, it was phenomenal. I saw that and I must've stood there, I don't know, five, seven minutes just staring at this mount and there was beautiful mounts. I mean, you got into the one area where all the elk were at and that yeah, was amazing. Yeah. But this mountain lion was just something, something to behold. Amazing animal. Was it, um, have you, have you seen the ones that are like over either, you know, an elk carcass or, you know, something yeah, that's what, well, this one is, is perched with one paw up a tree, standing on his hind legs over a, uh, a mule deer. Yep. Yeah. We saw that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Goodness. That was so beautiful. I mean, just yeah. the detail and, oh my gosh, some mounts just outdo the heck out of others. And this one, like I yeah. said, probably the most beautiful mount I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting for sure. I'd... So 2019, how you... How are you looking there? And I know you said you got uh, you're looking at the OTC. If you don't uh, if you don't uh, draw those draws, yeah, we're so everything. Yeah, we're we're here. looking at yeah for elk. We're still trying to build preference points. Um, so we're going to probably be doing OTC elk uh, here in uh, here in Colorado. Right now it's turkey season and the shed season just opened up. So we'll probably get out and do some combo turkey hunting slash uh, shed hunting. Actually, have very much luck doing that. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've had some really good luck hunting turkeys and finding sheds at the same time. As a matter of fact, the turkey that I got a couple of years ago, uh, they had kind of quit gobbling. It was kind of like right at the end of the season, the last couple of days, and um, I had uh, I had a, a group of uh, a group of turkeys that I was like running uphill after, trying to close the distance on them, and uh, I ended up like stumbling over this like nine point uh, bull elk shed, oh. and. And here I am, like in the mo in the heat of like chasing this turkey down, knowing that I'm actually getting closer because I can I could run uphill faster than they could, and I know I'm getting closer and I can close the distance. But here's a huge shed. Like, do I stop and pick it up and try to run with that? Do I go and shoot <laughs> or, or and hope that I can come back and find it? I I eventually decided I'm going to keep going after the turkeys. And within the next hundred yards, I managed to close the distance and um, ended up dropping a turkey. And uh, went and grabbed the turkey and kind of traced my steps back down, and I was able to pick up that uh, that big that elk shit. shed. That's huge, yeah. nine points. Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll 
we'll try to get a little more of that, you know, magic going um, this spring. And then um, obviously the over the counter elk um, for archery. Um, we did a draw for deer. Um, should be able to, should be successful on that one. Yeah, it's, it's in a new unit, but it's the same area that we're planning on, um, on elk hunting, uh, for over the counter. So, yeah. and probably doing, um, probably combo over the counter bear, uh, fall bear. They don't allow spring bear hunting in Colorado. So, um, for Colorado, um, bear, it's gotta be in the fall. Um, so adding that to it and then, uh, probably Montana antelope, um, as well. Yep, we'll probably be put, putting in for that one here pretty soon since yeah. I think uh, June June 1st, I think, is the deadline I there. But it's actually May something, but yeah. No, nah, I think it's June. I think yeah, it's traditionally June 1st. You know better than um, yeah. Either way, we need to get that one in pretty soon so we can try to secure an antelope tag up in Montana. I've got a lot of old haunts. It's kind of nice to go back to Montana and hunt because I've already scouted all of that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, we talked about the hunts that we filmed and, you know, we've got a pretty hefty schedule of, uh, you know, photography and videography in September to try to make sure we get enough pictures and videos to, to last the whole year during the rut. Yeah, we, so we usually take a, about a week um, within the archery elk season and head out to um, Kansas, haha, um, <laughs> and meet yeah, all quote unquote Kansas. Yeah, um, and we... It's a really awesome time. We get to um, kind of socialize with all of our very, very extremely talented photography buddies and, um, and kind of get to hang out with them and chase, you know, elk in, in mystical Kansas. You know, it's fun. <laughs> the, the Kansas thing is kind of an inside yeah. joke. So there was, I there was a time I remember when, hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a time when so many people were, uh, were finding uh, these really big animals. I mean, you know, we're talking 400 inch uh, bulls and, and well over 200 inch mule deer. And uh, the people with cell phones were, were finding locations on Instagram and were going out to these places and just doing really stupid stuff. I mean, walking right up to these poor bulls and, you know, getting in the middle of their herds with their cell phones, trying to take selfies with oh, them. Yeah. And so, you know, a whole bunch of photographers and we eventually kind of climbed on board there, started saying that their location was Kansas. And let's send all the, all the tourists with their cell phones out to Kansas. <laughs> They're going to be really upset when they realize the, the elk population there. <laughs> it's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I like to touch on in, in every episode, I call it the conservation quick, right? Um, about a minute to two minutes. Um, and it's just to get other insight, to draw more knowledge from everybody. Everybody kind of has a different take on it, you know, outside of that dictionary definition. So what is, uh, what's your one to two minute spiel on conservation? Your, your elevator speech. My elevator speech. I don't, think I, have a, I don't think I have a conservation elevator speech, but uh, I'll give it my best go here. Um, try to keep it to one to two minutes. Um, maybe even just be a lot more brief than that. Um, you know, conservation is putting your money where your mouth is. Um, hunters do a great job of that, but we probably don't volunteer our time as much as we ought to. We don't get our kids out there as much as we ought to. And, and I think we all know that. And so getting out there, supporting organizations with your time and your dollars, uh, I think is really what conservation boils down to, plus being politically active. 
um, you know, letting letting the elected officials know that um, this is as important as our Second Amendment rights. It's it's a fundamental part of our way of life, and we are not willing to sacrifice anything for the sake of ensuring that we have public land, public water, um, you know, clean water to drink, uh, habitat for wild animals, and um, and a, a means of continuing our lifestyle that will be unabated for generations to come. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I, I think. Um, Christy Titus is a huge, um, person to kind of look to and, um, really get us all out there. Not only when, um, you know, it matters directly to us when we have that tag in our hand, but, um, like Lauren said, putting your money where your mouth is and getting out there throughout the whole year and, you know, getting, um, everything prepared and help everything, you know, with, within its circle of life, the best that you can. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Absolutely. So, Ali, I have one for you. So, Lauren mentioned earlier the importance of women in the outdoors, and and it kind of spawned a little bit in my head for some reason, and I don't know why this hasn't equated before, but to me, when we when we look at getting our wives or our significant others involved, um, that equals the family, right? Women equal the kids getting outdoors. And I mean, so all of us are able to experience it. Um, what's, what's your take and, and what would you tell, you know, the women that are a little reluctant to, or, you know, are feeling insecure about that experience as a woman in the outdoors and hunting? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I would have quite a bit, um, to dish out with that. I, you know, coming from a completely different style of hunting to something that is absolutely extremely intimidating, just hearing about it, let alone, you know, kind of being thrust into the middle um, of it or the very beginning of it. And, you know, there's a constant worry of, um, is there anything that you're going to do that is going to you know, sacrifice him from being able to, you know, get his shot or, you know, are, are you doing things right? I, I think for any woman that is, um, you know, willing to go out, um, you know, start with going out on a hike, um, getting, you know, all the information that you can on whatever animal, um, you know, either yourself or your significant other is interested in hunting in. Um, so you can kind of not only know their, um, you know, their behavior, but, um, the kind of environment that they are usually found in. Um, you know, ask as many questions as you can to your significant other and to, um, you know, people within social media and reach out to any other woman. I, I swear that it may be intimidating at first because, um, you know, women just have this idea that other women are just going to be catty and, you know, awful, but not in this, this industry, in this world. There's so many women out there that just want to share their knowledge to make other women comfortable and, um, make sure above, you know, anything, once you're out there, make sure that you are in the proper gear that you're absolutely comfortable in, that you can easily maneuver in, that you can, um, you know, layer up, layer down, um, that fits you well, because, um, that, that's been a huge struggle with me through, um, you know, going from a very, strong, um, you know, I, I, I'm a tiny, tiny person. I'm, I'm only five, one and a half. Um, but I, before, you know, in between a lot of my cancer diagnosis, I've gotten my strength 
up pretty quickly. I was a marathon runner, um, and you know, a pretty, pretty strong girl for my size, um, going from that all the way down to, you know, the high seventies poundage wise, um, you know, it was a detriment to my, my camo gear. I, you know, so when I'm hiking over deadfalls and I'm at my lowest weight, I'm having to worry about hiking, you know, my pants, you know, up so I can actually get over that deadfall without, you know, the mid midsection of my pants snagging on, on a log and breaking it. And then I have to work, you know, make sure that I'm ready to cow call. So if an animal hears a, a weird noise, they just think it's a, another like-minded animal. Yeah. Instead of just noise. So yeah, just, I mean, talking with your significant other and asking questions and not, and hope, and, you know, hopefully on the significant other side, you know, just being willing to answer even what may sound like the dumbest questions, knowing that, you know, this person is trying to, um, you know, learn about something that you're passionate about that they're, I mean, Lauren's just been incredible with answering not only questions that are probably not the best questions, but, um, you know, answering them multiple times and making sure that I'm comfortable with, um, you know, any, any situation before, um, you know, as, as best you can possible before we're actually there and also letting me learn as I go as well. If that makes sense. No, you know, I, I think we're really fortunate in that, you know, she really developed a passion for, for elk and elk hunting as well. And obviously we both bow hunt. And so we have that in common as well. But I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that find that, you know, just like uh, I have a, a slightly different, you know, preference than, than my father does, you know, husband and wife may not have the same degree of passion with exactly the same thing and being able to support somebody and finding their passion as well. You know, I, I realize that, you know, I've, I've experienced, you know, everything from waterfowl hunting to upland bird hunting with a dog to, you know, archery and, and rifle hunting. I've hunted with a pistol. Um, you know, I've, I've floated in a canoe down the islands of the Missouri and, and pheasant hunted off the islands in there. I mean, all the different things that I've been able to experience throughout the years as I grew up with it. And I've been able to figure out what I'm passionate about. Um, you know, Allie has not had those experiences. So if you're bringing somebody new into it, allowing them to experience as much as possible so that they can also find something that they are truly passionate about, I think will, you know, really endear them into the outdoors. Absolutely. That's awesome. So anything in closing from, we're going to coin it, right? Mr. And Mrs. Good Bull before we yeah. uh, hit the stop button. here. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I just appreciate you having us on the podcast. Absolutely. It's um, been so much fun. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we really don't get a lot of opportunity to talk to folks about our, you know, our personal journeys in the, in the outdoors. So being able to do that on this podcast is, uh, it's just absolutely great. We really appreciate you being open and uh, allowing us to, to talk about so many different things. And, um, you know, maybe people will be able to, you know, learn a little bit more about Mr. and Mrs. Goodbull outdoors yeah. and see us more for the people that we are rather than there just the, the, the beautiful photography and, and videography that, that we've been able to to bring into people's lives and, and allow them to uh, experience vicariously through us. Yeah, I mean, so now now people aren't every time they hear or think of us, they don't just think of incredible the the our main bowl that you know we we do. They can actually kind of know a little bit. About, yeah, yeah. people behind yeah. those photos, folks. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> There's passion behind those photos. There's love behind yeah. those photos. Yeah. And we, we so appreciate you giving us the opportunity and the platform to, you know, share some of the 
the dark sides, but also the the overall happiness and how how blessed we are to you know be where we are and uh, do what we do and share it with people like you and everyone else that's you know tuning in and has given us that opportunity as well. And and I'll just uh, I guess one last thing here is that. Uh, you know, one of the great things about this journey is the connections that we've made with people. And um, we want to let folks know that we are very open to answering questions. So, um, you know, we're Good Bull Outdoors on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. Um, you know, we've got a Patreon page. Um, we've got lots of places that, that people can reach out to us. They just search up Good Bull Outdoors and they can send us questions that they have. Um, you know, if, if it's a new hunter, if it's somebody that's been hunting their whole life, um, that, that just has a question, something specific, we're, we're happy to be there as a resource for everyone to, uh, to enjoy the, the outdoors more than they currently do. Or if anybody has advice for us as well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, we are continuing to learn and grow as we, as we go along. So we appreciate other, other people's input as well. Yep. Well, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you both. Um, I appreciate the photos and the positivity and the way you share elk and the outdoors. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things I find myself looking forward to a few pages a day and, and you guys are definitely one of them. So thank you for your time and, and your willingness to get on here and share on this uh, little platform of mine. Thank you. We we're. We, yeah, we're just <laughs> super excited to be able to have these types of opportunities. Yeah, no, we're, we're we're still you know still kind of awestruck by by being asked to to be on a, on a podcast to share what we're passionate about. So thank you for giving us this platform, and um, you know let us let us know when you're coming out to Colorado to do some scouting. Maybe we can get together and and uh, find some elk together. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. I might have to take you up on that because we're going in blind. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. You can catch up with Lauren and Allie on Instagram at Good Bull Outdoors or head over to westerncontours.com to the podcast page. Follow the show note links to all the other Good Bull platforms. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up and our brand is going to represent them and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com or you can find us on Instagram at disabledoutdoorsmanusa. We want you to be a part of the cause with us and let's make a difference one day at a time.